When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the We Are podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Thank you as always for joining me. I'll tell you what, a jam-packed podcast today. Got uh, three segments. I'll give you a few opening thoughts here in the first segment. Then in the second segment and the third segment, we've got a ton of Penn State and former Penn State, as you will, uh, topics to discuss. Mark Wogenrich from FanNation at SI.com joins me in the second segment to talk about the defensive line coaching opening that Penn State has, why I believe it would be foolish to just promote from within house with Deion Barnes. I think you got to go get somebody experienced there. And then we also talk about facilities, the football arms race. Third segment, Donnie Collins from the Scranton Times Tribune. Had a fantastic discussion with Donnie about Will Levis. (laughs) The insanity of the love affair for Will Levis, who was at the Combine and uh, doing Will Levis things, chucking the ball hard, throwing it far, impressing everybody in shorts. Never mind the fact that the guy can't really read a defense. But uh, we'll get to all that coming up here a little bit later on. Uh, I'm recording this late Saturday night, so depending on when you hear this Sunday, the Penn State men's basketball team plays at noon against Maryland in a game that very, very much could kind of lock up an NCAA tournament berth for Penn State. If they win that game against Maryland, you figure they've got to win one game in the Big Ten tournament. They can't go out there and lose to some mediocre or poor team at the Big Ten tournament. But if they can go win one game in the Big Ten tournament, that a lot of people seem to think that would be enough. Now, I don't know. I think they've got to win two just to be sure because you just never know. The Big Ten is down this year. you got a whole bunch of teams, nine, ten teams, all battling for these spots. And so, uh, but hey, first things first, Penn State's got to beat Maryland. A terrific win on the road the other day against Northwestern. Just a clutch, clutch victory for the Penn State program. I've been pretty critical of Micah Shrewsbury and and the Penn State guys for the last couple weeks of just giving away golden opportunities. Well, let's give them credit where credit's due. Ten minutes ago in that game, it's a close game. What are they going to do? Five minutes ago. Then you go to overtime. They found a way to win uh, a tremendously, tremendously exciting and entertaining game on the road against a good Northwestern team. And uh, boy, you got to give them a lot of credit. Now Penn State's got Maryland for the regular season finale Sunday afternoon. 
Again, by the time you listen to this, if it's Sunday night, the game will already be over. Let's kind of knock on wood and say, okay, maybe Penn State holds serve. Now, where are they? But, hey, look, this is Penn State basketball. The Maryland game is the kind of game they lose uh, over time, over many, many years, just when you think they're going to lock up something good. So I would not be surprised to see them lose to Maryland. But, hey, I'm counting on them to win. Win one game in the Big Ten tournament, and we'll see if that's enough. Now, as I speak, again, recording this late Saturday, Penn State uh, doing tremendous things at the Big Ten Wrestling Tournament, getting a bunch of guys advanced to the finals. So uh, by the time you listen to this, I, I would fully expect Penn State to have won the Big Ten title and then uh, just another notch uh, as they go on to compete for their 10th national championship here in a couple weeks. So we'll see how that plays out on Sunday in the finals. But big week, lots of really good, interesting topics for early March. We've got football topics, basketball topics, wrestling topics. And again, I've got two tremendous, tremendous conversations coming up here uh, in the final two segments of the podcast on a whole bunch of good football stuff. So stick around for those. Hey, it's early March. We got a lot of good Penn State football stuff to talk about right now. We're going to get into it with Mark Wogenrich from Fan Nation at SI.com. All right, so now the news of this week is the defensive line coach, John Scott Jr., leaving Penn State to go to the NFL. It's awesome for him. He did a really good job, uh, both on-field development and recruiting. Uh, That's a second straight defensive line coach that Penn State has had uh, get an NFL job. Sean Spencer went to the Giants. He's now down in Florida uh, uh, back in college. But that def- I, I just want to talk in general before we get to any names specific. That defensive line coach position at Penn State, Mark, has always been one of the two or three most important positions on the coaching staff to me. Oh, gosh, starting with Larry Johnson, mm-hmm. probably even predating Larry, too. But, yeah, absolutely. Their, I mean, their legacy of defensive linemen, especially at end recently, but even before that, putting a lot of tackles in the NFL that developmentally have been absolutely terrific. There. And that to me, what it makes this an, an absolutely fascinating job on their staff because of that, because they can recruit again, the recruit again, a lot of ends probably, you know, I think they want to recruit better defensive tackle and recruit and develop better at a, at a tackle. But the way they put those kinds of players in the NFL makes it a hugely significant position from a recruiting development um, on-field playing standpoint. So, yeah, that to me, that is like, that's a fascinating spot for them to be in. Knowing full well that I'm sure they knew about this. James Franklin was a cutoff guard mm-hmm. by any shooting matches. He's probably known for this for a month or more. And But still, that that I look at that position, that coaching position, and say, no, a lot of different directions there. You can't. So let's go into that yeah. direction because this is just as uh, a watcher of life. I, I like to kind of just watch and see what's happening, see which way people go. Mark made a great point there of see which direction they're going to go because this to me is going to be an extremely telling hire of what Penn State and James Franklin are all about. And here's, here's mm-hmm. what I'm coming to. I'm coming to expectations. 
Okay, so the guy that most Penn State fans want, Mark, the guy that seemingly everybody on the Penn State team wants to get the job is who? Deion Barnes. Okay, Deion Barnes ever been a full-time assistant coach at the collegiate level? He has not. Penn State trying to win a national championship? They absolutely are. Is Deion Barnes going to outcoach? Therefore, La- A plus B equals C, right? Is Penn State, is Deion Barnes going to outcoach Larry Johnson or Georgia or Alabama? Yeah. I mean, that, that's what I'm getting at here. I'm not trying exactly, to be mean yep. toward Larry, toward Deion Barnes. I'm trying to point out when, when we look at what Penn State and James Franklin's goals are, you got a two week year window here to win a damn national championship. You got a two year window with maybe the best quarterback that we think you could maybe have ever had. All right. So anyway, so ultimately, do you think Deion Barnes gets the job? If I had to put money on it, I would say no. And I wrote about this, <clears throat> excuse me, this week and saying, I think Penn State's got a really fascinating candidate already on campus in mm-hmm. Deion Barnes, who spent three years as a graduate assistant. And after three years as a GA, you're done. Played there, played, played there, played there, had a good career. Yeah, Big Ten Freshman of the Year. Always very popular, likable guy, has done a great job in his time at Penn State. Great player, absolutely. And he came came to Penn State from uh, Philadelphia High School, his high school where he played and coached with his son. So they felt, apparently, evidently, they felt Deion Barnes was important enough to retain after that after his three-year GA window was up. They made him an analyst this, you know, earlier this year. You know, I don't know if it was in December, but it probably was. Uh, it, it wasn't announced, but it was um, updated. You know, their directory is updated in January, noting that he was uh, an analyst analytics coordinator. So clearly, they value Dion Bond as somebody they wanted to retain on the staff. Does that make him a viable candidate to take over? Um, to take over as a position coach. If on back, one of the handful of um, most position, uh, biggest, most important position yeah, exactly. coaches on the staff. At a, at a power five spot in a Penn State room, that, as you said, is trying to win a Big Ten of national championship, trying to get to the playoffs and trying to put, and has done this, uh, you know, has had real success at hiring, you know, on coaching defensive line. So I, I, I mean, you gotta, only got to go back a couple of weeks to the hiring of Marcus Higgins, who spent 12 years at Virginia. And what James Franklin said about his receivers room there, I think you can absolutely apply to every position um, on the team, including defensive line. He said, we want to build a receivers room that, uh, you know, paraphrasing, that puts the fear in people. But this is, he didn't feel like he had that in the receivers room before. It didn't scare anybody. Jahan Dotson did, but maybe the entire room didn't. And he wants that, you know, he wants that in the future. With the quarterback he's got, the running backs he's got, the offensive line, he wants the receivers room then to upgrade to put the fear in people nationally. If you want that in your defensive line, which he absolutely does, are you going to put the fear in people with a 30-year-old first-time assistant coach? I think there's, you know, there's absolute merit on both sides. One, you, that you don't think it could because you need to go out and get somebody who has experience in a room and has, can, you know, has actually run their own room. The flip side is that Deion Barnes is a really engaging, smart, dynamic 30-year-old coach as a young man, you know, it, like as, as coaching getting younger, we see NFL and college coordinators in their 30s, NFL head coaches at 35, things like that. You know, is it, would it be, I mean, could he break that mold? 
could he break the mold? Could he break out of that, that position? It's like, well, he has no experience. Well, is this the kind of person who has enough experience having worked as a GA, worked with John Scott, recruited with Terry Smith? Does he, is that enough for him to mingle with his learning personality, you know, everything else he's done in his career, and then his engaging style of coaching? Is that enough for him to get the hire? I don't know the answer to that, but I think the way you framed it as, as this going to be, as this is very telling, uh, is absolutely true. If they hire him, clearly James Franklin and his staff believe that he is the, you know, he, they value him and in that spot and believe that he could do it. You know, maybe you hire him and you hire, then you go get an analyst or something like that who has a lot of defensive experience and kind of shepherd him. If they don't hire him, then I, you know, probably clear they would think that Deion Barnes would have to do what Ty Howe did and that's go out get his own room and then maybe come back. Should he want to do that? I I'm really interested to see this because I think I really think he's a legitimate candidate and I would say the, a legitimate candidate, yes. not the candidate. Yeah. I would yeah. say he's a legit, I would not at all be surprised <laughs> if James Franklin hires him. It, it's not unprecedented mm-hmm. that a young guy can have success. I, mm-hmm. I mean, go back to Joe Brady. He goes down to LSU no. and they have, they have the best offense in the history of college football and winning the national title with Joe Burrow. I think he was 29 years old at the time and he had been, no. he had been at Penn State. It's not, this is not in any way a knock on Deion Barnes because by hiring him, you would inspire and you would make everybody that he would be working with in the building happy, including his, his players. So there, there is merit in all of that. To me, what's fascinating to watch, Mark, is, this is your window, okay? The, yeah. it, it, this is not going into 2020 or 2021 or 2022 or 2018 or 19. It may, maybe through various parts of Penn State football history, if your goal is to finish in the top 10 or the top 20, th- then maybe you can take this kind of stab. I just don't believe that right now you can hire, you can afford with what they've got with with the roster, folks. I, I'm trying to I'm trying to come at this from the absolute best way possible. I am picking Penn State to get to the Final Four in 2024. I am. I'm picking to go 10 and 2 this year. And in 2024, not only do I think they make the playoff, you're going to have Aller, second year starter, Singleton, Allen, Abdul Carter, I think is going to be a superstar. You have a chance to get to the Final Four. Can they win it all? I don't know that Penn State's really ever beaten Alabama or Georgia or any of these teams in a one game shot. Can they get to the Final Four? I absolutely believe that. So, if, if that's your expectation and that's your goal, then I think we all, me, you, fans, we all have to hold everybody accountable with every single decision and question if you're going to hire Deion Barnes. Because of all the defensive line coaches in the whole country that may apply for this job, can you honestly say he would be the best possible candidate right now today? And, th- and that's where it's very interesting to me. Yeah. I can't, I, I can't answer that, uh, for James, on James Franklin's behalf, because I don't know truly where he would land on, land on Dion Barnes being the absolute best candidate. I would assume that he thinks that Dion Barnes, like I just said, he thinks Dion Barnes is an except, would be an exceptional candidate for this. But James Franklin historically has not hired fresh face coaches. I mean, he'll bring them in as DAs. Yeah. I mean, they brought in Calvin Lowry as a graduate assistant. Calvin Lowry's been, I think seven or eight years coaching, what was it, at Wichita State 
I mean, he has, he has coaching experience. He's here as a GA. So let's talk um, about putting your money so, where your mouth is because Elijah Robinson is down at Texas A&M. He played at Penn yeah. State. He is one of the elite defensive line coaches and, and recruiters in the country right now. I'm guessing he's making a lot of money. I think he's one of the top 10 position play, co- position coaches in the country. I think he makes more than a million dollars. But he was the number mm-hmm. one recruiter in the country two years ago. Could Penn State hire a defensive line coach for a million dollars? We think Mike Yersich and, and Manny Diaz are getting – Around two, um, could Penn State give a defensive line coach a million dollars? Well, can't well, can it? Yeah, I don't. That's a that's a fascinating question. I don't know that they can. I think Brett Pry. I remember seeing um, one of the salary the salary uh, files that Penn State has to release on their top, you know, their you know, top twenty five highest, you know, paid employees, paid employees kind of thing, and Brent Pry. Several years ago, was making he was listed on that as salary making one point six million. Mm-hmm. So that's your defensive coordinator. Then a defensive line coach to bring in to bring in a defensive line coach at a million. How many other titles are they going to have to give him? Uh, a defensive coordinator, defensive coordinator in waiting when oh, Manny, yeah. when Manny Diaz yeah, leaves exactly. in a year or two. No coordinator. That's the uh, nugget that you've got. Head coach, right? Yeah. Sean Spencer's down at Florida. Sean Spencer mm-hmm. is down at Florida. This was a guy that was phenomenal. Sean Spencer was in a tremendous defensive line coach and left to become a head coach or defensive line coach in the NFL. Could you offer Sean Spencer a million dollars to cut? See, and, and, and you say, Hey, hey, Manny's only going to be here another year or two. We need to be realistic about this. We'll, we'll, you will get first priority as the defense. There are options here. And again, this yeah. is why I think it's fascinating. Do you just hire the, the great in-house candidate that everybody loves when you've got, man, if you can come up with the kind of money and the prestige of, Hey, what's going to happen here with Manny Diaz? You, you could get some phenomenal candidates for this job. Right, and not to mention that you, I mean, we haven't even discussed tapping Manny Diaz's Rolodex either. It's not like that's right. That's a great point. With some, yeah, with some exceptional mm-hmm. candidates yeah. from from his time, you know, across the board, defensive line, or, you know, defensive coordinator at Miami. You know, he's worked in the you know, ACC stuff like that. So he's got a Rolodex too, and he. I don't know how much say he's going to have in this, and how much James Franklin really, quite frankly, say would necessarily give him, say, I'm going to bring in your one-year defensive line, you know, bring in your defensive line coach essentially potentially for a year because uh, you're probably going to be gone after next year. I mean, you get the right offer next year. You're going to be gone. I think that's probably fairly, you know, we, I think we get that. Um, so that, that's, uh, that, I, that dynamic to me is interesting too. To me, all of these conversations, folks, they're, they're all the same. I hope everybody's connecting the dots here with me. Because you've got the window of opportunity here mm-hmm. for the next couple of years. They're going to be ranked number six or seven in the country in the preseason next year. If they have a good year, they're probably going to enter 2024, ranked number three or four in the country at the beginning of the year. Everything is right here. The whole plan. James Franklin ate his crap burger sandwich in 2020 and 2021 with going 11 and 11 and people wondering if he should be fired. Okay. Is he going to come out of that on the other side? And be conservative with hires? James Franklin wants to become the first African-American head coach in college football history to win a national title. He would be a legend. He would immediately go into the College Football Hall of Fame if that were to happen. Okay? So, if these are the goals, and these are this is what you're striving for, this is what I always come back to. Ohio State would never, ever, in a trillion lifetimes, start Sean Clifford 
four consecutive years. There's no way it would never happen under any scenario, nor would Alabama, nor would Georgia. I mean, decisions that Penn State has made and will continue to make, Mark, you have to look at them in a different light if you are trying to win a title. If you just want to give a bunch of lip service and say, we want to compete with everybody else, and then you go hire Dion Barnes, are you really doing everything that you can to compete with everybody else? Again, from I think from 30,000 feet, it would look like no. But I would say in this specific instance, if you really see something, if there's something that he knows that they really see and they really can contextualize a vision with Deion Barnes, that he is a, that he is the dynamic kind of coach and recruiter that they need in that spot and that he has a future. Yeah. You know what I mean? As a coordinator, as a potential head coach someday, if you are identifying that talent at 30, and you feel like, you know, James Franklin can nurture something, somebody like that too, who also is the kind of coach who can help him get to that spot. Yeah, I do think, I do think you take the, I do think you take that chance if that's what you believe. Interesting. I think, Cause I think you let the guy go yeah. and learn from somebody else and then you sure. bring him back as defensive coordinator in two or three years. Yeah. I mean, I think you can um, yeah, always get, you can, yeah. yeah. All right. So I want to switch to one, gears to one more topic. Uh, Brad Crawford from from 247 Sports. I followed these studies. He's done this for a number of years now. He ranks the uh, top 25 football facilities uh, in college football all around the country. And Penn State, going way back, Mark, you've covered Penn State since what, 92, 93, give or take? Uh, 99. Okay, okay, so I gave you a little yeah. bit more credit. When you first started covering Penn State, did you hear that Penn State had as good of facilities as anybody in the country? Is that something you heard? Uh, the last football building, when it, I can't remember the year, it was in the 90s, but when it was built, yeah, the last football building was considered pretty groundbreaking yes. in that it centralized everything. For a while. Um, for in a one while. spot. Then they, right, exactly. Then they didn't charge a seat license for another eight or 10 years, and they yeah. lost 50 to $100 million probably there at least, if not a lot more. Uh, I've talked about this a, a lot over the years yeah. that Penn State, by not yeah, doing. They, they cost themselves money and they cost themselves opportunities to stay relevant so that when yeah. Bill O'Brien comes here and he's complaining about the facilities, everybody's like, what the hell are you talking about? Penn State's got as good facilities as anybody in the country. Well, no, you don't. And James Franklin comes here and says Vanderbilt had better facilities in some of these ways than Penn State. And everybody's like, what the hell are you talking about? You're just trying to say this so you, we can, you can get more money out of us. But the realities are that there are a lot of places around the country from a sheer facility standpoint, and folks, we're not talking about Beaver Stadium. This is Lash. This is Haluba. They have ba- passed Penn State by. So in, in 247 Sports list of the top 25 college football facilities in the country, Penn State ranks nowhere. Not in the top 25. I reached out to Brad Crawford. Crawford he told me they're 27th. So what do you make of just that? And that includes, he told me, the $48 million upgrade okay. that Penn State had just done. What do you make of, Mark, because we see the facilities at Penn State, they look really, really nice, and we're not touring Georgia, and we're not touring Northwestern, really. But if you're told that Penn State's not one of the top 25 college football facilities, how, do you, how, do you, how, how would you uh, respond to that? I went and actually read the, the piece um, when he told me about this, because I had not seen it. And the word that stuck out with me in the headline, in, in mm-hmm. the description of it, it was the 25 most lavish mm-hmm. facilities. Yeah, and I'm going to say, yep, I, I would be, I could probably, 
I could believe that. I, you know, just walking through Lash, I, you know, beautiful building, things like that. Um, I haven't seen the new weight room on the inside, but from the outside, it looks phenomenal. But I can understand the perspective that that Penn State doesn't have the most lavish facilities. I went through this list, and I mean, it was stuff that I had seen before, and I thought, you know, I'll get down to the bottom. And you see, like, Clemson with the, I think they had, a, like, a putt-putt golf uh, course and, uh, you know, and a bunch of other things. There's, you know, like... Uh, I think indoor basketball, you know, on, 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 on. The thing with that is I go back to, I remember in 2017, uh, Penn State had renovated uh, its locker room, and they did the video of the players walking in wide-eyed and seeing the new facilities and, you know, fancy new locker room and thinking it's all great. And that year on the coach's caravan, uh, Sandy Barber, the athletic director at the time, discuss their facilities and just discuss their, their vision of their facilities. And she said this, I took this from a story I wrote Um, the armor arms race is a reality in what we do. We don't have to win it. We don't have to lead it. We've got to run the race. Mm -hmm. We have to be providing the facilities that meet the teaching, learning and training needs of our student athletes on a daily basis. Does it need to be more than that? That's not who we are. Okay, then, okay, if that's not who we are, then you're not going to win a right. national championship. And that, that right. that's <laughs> why I'm tying these conversations all together. Exactly. If you want to be a top 10 or top 15 team, and that's who we are, and that's who you want to be, and you haven't won a title since 1986, then knock yourself out thinking that that's who we are. Because you're not going to win a national title if you don't impress 17-year-old boys coming in looking yeah. to be absolutely blown away by your facilities. Right. And this was, again, this was 2017. This was after they won the Big Ten title. And this is something James Franklin referenced last year. He did this on his radio show in October. I think it was before the Ohio State game. And he said, um, we didn't capitalize. We were not bold and aggressive enough after mm-hmm. winning the Big Ten title yep. in 2016. And I think he's referencing, referencing things like that. I don't think James Franklin would go into these other places and see some of these things I, from a, just personally, if you were to sit him down and say, do you really think that you need lazy river, which central Florida still hasn't built by the way, but nevertheless, do mm-hmm. you really need the waterfall in the lobby? Do you really need um, a Papa shot court, you know, in the, in the, uh, the locker room or, and you know, a hundred inch, you know, or 200 inch TVs wrapped around of here. I think would think he would say, Generally, no. I don't think we need that stuff because they to, are excellent. But, we have to want it. but they're excellent yep. at at re, at the personal relationships with the recruiting. Yeah. We can't fault them for recruiting. Mm-hmm. They've done a great job right. because they are good. But what if they could combine those excellent personal exactly. relationships yeah. with with a lazy river? Well, you're not going to get that in Pennsylvania, but but with a Papa shot, you see what I'm getting at. Yeah. I mean, if if they're fine, so they're fifth, sixth, seventh in the country in recruiting. They're still generally behind Ohio State. I mean, you see that that's what all of this comes down to is no matter how good you are, until you are the very best, don't you have to make every single decision to try to be the very best? Exactly, and that's that's kind of the point where I was going. In that. All these facilities discussions, they don't need to be right. Penn States don't necessarily need to be the most lavish, but I would, I guarantee you, James Franklin would say, I want to have the best facilities with regard to player welfare, um, sports medicine, sports performance, everything like that. I mean, I'm seeing things 
you know, hyperbaric chambers and deep sleep chambers and these like. But Mark, that's important to thirty-five and forty-year-old people. Is that important to a sixteen-year-old kid? <laughs> so I'm, I'm asking a legitimate question. When that, when a sixteen-year-old yeah. kid comes onto your campus, do they give a crap about anything that you just said? If it's lit well, yeah. And it's, <laughs> yeah right, lighting. Lighting I, I is important. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think over the, in the overall, I think that's where James Franklin is going to come from, and yes. that we've got to we've got to keep pace with the performance. He understands the stuff. I mean, what, what was it? Three years ago, when they installed the um, the light and fog machine in the tunnel at Beaver Stadium, from the locker room to the tunnel, and what that cost a couple hundred thousand dollars, and it's a you know thirty second show to get them from the tunnel into the stadium. And it looks really cool when you're and looking at the, the money. Stadium. Very well. Spent. He, yeah. He understands that. I don't think he necessarily believes in all of it, but he completely understands right. it. I think that's what, yep. what's the value of him as a head coach in that he understands what he understands want, what and 16 he, and 17 year old kids want. And right. they want, don't they want facilities sure. like parking and, and dorms that where they can, they can park exactly. and get to the football. I mean, this is thing. These are things that we're going to hear a lot about is yeah. that oh, no just question. the conveniences that Penn state does not seem to have that these football players are able to just kind of come and go. I mean, other compared to other Penn state students, they can, but compared to some mm-hmm. of these other schools, Penn state's still lacking in some of these areas. Yeah. Well, he meant, yeah, absolutely. The dorms are going to be an issue, I think, but he can convince them. I know this is what you want. And, and yeah, we want these things for you too, but this is what else you want. You, you know, you want us to have the best sports performance, uh, training table, nutrition, all That's of that true. sort of thing, because that is going to get you to the NFL. You know, I know, yes. you, I know you like the fact that your locker has, you know, your name and number in, in, in swirling LED or something like that. And there's, you know, an RFID lock on it or whatever. I don't, you know, I don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I like that though. That's but, <laughs> but, but he can convince them too. This is what is, this is what's important to you. This is what the value is of the future of your career. And that is these other things that we have here too. The, you know, the sports performance, the nutrition, all that sort of thing. Yeah. These are one of the things he's been pushing. I'll tell you what, we literally could go on with this for two more hours. Yeah. I, I'll cut it off here because the, all of these things are tied together in my mind, at that's least the, when, the biggest, absolutely. when I'm yeah. talking about trying to win a national champ, because you're not mm-hmm. going to win a national championship until you can beat Ohio state and Alabama and Georgia and Clemson and all of these other things because uh, I mean you, you can have a good football team and Penn State ha- has had a, a good football team and will have a good football team but these are the other little things that James has talked about with regards to NIL or dorms or anything else that's why James Franklin Mark give me more give me more give me more give me more 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 right. okay and so hey you just won the Rose Bowl if you're not going to capitalize on it now I mean this is this is your opportunity is it not yep Absolutely. That's what he means by saying it's what we do on the other 364 days of the year. Uh-huh. Fascinating stuff, man. It's all tied. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. All about expectations, goals, what, and what, what it is you're playing for. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate yep. the time, buddy. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Corey. All right. Great stuff. Mark Wogenrich, uh, FanNation at SI.com. The hot name, one of the hot names at the NFL Combine is a former Penn State quarterback 
who is expected to go in the top five, top ten picks, Will Levis. It is fascinating to me. It is insane to me uh, that Will Levis is considered a top five or top ten pick. Not because he's not talented. I think he's incredibly skilled. He can sit there and whip a ball 60, 65 yards with nothing. He's he's going to look beautiful in shorts. He's going to eat bananas with the peels on. He's going to drink coffee with mayonnaise. And, and he's going to be the kind of guy that's going to light up an interview room, I'm sure. I just don't happen to think he's a franchise quarterback from day one that's worthy of a top five or top ten pick. And that's what we're talking about here. I'm not saying don't draft Will Levis. Donnie Collins from the Scranton Times Tribune joins me to discuss this because here's the thing, Donnie. I don't, I don't want to bag on Will Levis. The guy is incredibly talented. He's way more talented than Sean Clifford. I don't think there's any doubt. He's unbelievably talented from a physical skill set standpoint. But I went back and watched a lot of Kentucky film, man. I just don't see franchise quarterback here. No, neither do I. I, I he's, you know, and, and you've covered minor league baseball. I've done it. And you, we've all seen that on your can't miss prospect who hits 220. And it's like, what do they see in the guy? And then he, then he develops into something like, Oh, that's what they saw in the guy. And he's, he's a total projection. And I get that, but, but, and I get why you would protect the guy. He's, he's what, six, four, six, five. He, he looks like a tank. He runs pretty well. He is, he has every skill that the modern quarterback needs, but he's never to me performed at a level where, where you would consider taking him in, in the first round. And, and, and I think somebody asked me this the other day. Um, because I mean, obviously you want a quarterback at the, at the top of the draft board and, and there's financial reasons for doing it. And even if you miss and, and you pick the wrong guy and, and he, and he, and he falls on his face, you're, 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 it's still the right pick and, and a lot of analytics guys' minds. But somebody asked me, Hey, and I'm a Steelers fan. So it was basically, Hey, if, if Will Levis falls into the third round, you, you take him if you're the Steelers. I, I said, no, I, I mean, it's, and I, and I and I like him physically a lot more than Kenny Pickett, but you know he's he's just he's not nearly that that level of of performer in the college game that that even a guy like Kenny Pickett was and and and, and certainly I, he wasn't the the performer that 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 Clifford was so and and I'm not saying I'd rather have Clifford but I think it, it's it's a really intriguing argument and debate around the draft and around player development about how much do you value what a guy actually does in college as opposed to what he actually is as an athlete. And I think Will Levis on both ends are on, on, on one on, on the on the athlete end of that spectrum, he's off the charts. On the performance end of that spectrum, he's maybe the twentieth best guy in the in the draft. And here's why this is challenging, because Will Levis did have a good twenty twenty one season with Kentucky. They won ten games. Then he lost some offensive linemen, he lost some skill people and he got sacked a lot and was kind of running for his life a good bit in 2022 so the numbers weren't quite there so let's dive into this here's here's the interesting component because Will Levis is going to be a top 10 pick and Sean Clifford will never play a snap in the NFL and we will always wonder even though Penn State won the Rose Bowl went 11 and 2 the question is always going to be did James Franklin choose the wrong quarterback so you put Will Levis on the 2022 Penn State football team with Nicholas Singleton, with Katron Allen, with those tight ends, with a really good offensive line. Is Penn State better in 2022 with with Levis or with Clifford? Clifford. I I, I just, I've never seen it with Levis. Even Levis' good season last year uh, in 21. Even his good season wasn't as good as Clifford's 22. 
if you want to go and look at, I mean, maybe you're going to throw some numbers at me that I, that I but, but like they, they had a common opponent was Iowa and, and, and Levis didn't play great against Iowa in, in, in 21 and, and Clifford was on the, on the way to beating. I think, I think Kentucky beat, I know Kentucky beat them, but, but yeah, I, I, that was a game where, where Clifford to me looked better in that game than, than Levis, but, but it, it's beyond that. And it's, it's even beyond the, the Clifford Levis debate. It's, it's in the sense that how much do you trust James Franklin? to determine from seeing these guys in practice every day and doing all the analytics and, and whatever and, and trusting Mike Gersich and, tr- and, and trusting the, your eyes and whatever, whatever you got to trust, how much do you trust him to make the determination that, that Will Levis wasn't better than, than Sean Clifford? And, and, and look, we, you know, as much as you know, we could sit here and speculate, and, and, and we do as our jobs and we love to do it, it's fun, but I, James Franklin is the guy who he and Yurcich were most qualified to make that choice. And I don't think there was ever a debate that they were going to let Levis go and keep Clifford. So that to me tells you something about, about what they saw. And, and, and they, they haven't looked back. They haven't, I mean, it, it, it's not been a, a major, it's been a, it's been a talking point. It's been an interesting talking point, but I don't think it's been a major factor in the team. I think they understand those guys, why Clifford's there. And, and that really could have been if, if Clifford was, I don't want to say worse, but if, because that's not really the word I'm looking for, but if, but it, it wasn't a story that you didn't have anyone coming out and say, yeah, you know, we, we, we hinting even that, you know, I think we kept the wrong guy. If okay. Took somebody else. I love, I love this discussion because this is interesting. I, I, let's go down this path. I, I think with the benefit of hindsight, we can dissect this a little bit more. No one get, no one misinterpret what I'm saying. In no way with what I'm about to say is it justify taking Will Levis in the first round because I still think he's a project at best. I just think the circumstances in 2020 were so bizarre, Donnie. Okay, so let's back up to 2019. You went 11 and two and you won the Fiesta Bowl. You're not yeah. changing quarterbacks ever. Nobody would do no. that. That that's insane. So I guess what I'm saying is this: even if Levis throughout 2019 and 2020. If they thought, my God, man, this guy's skills are so much better than Clifford. Even if they thought that, you're not making that change from Clifford to Will Levis. You're going to give Clifford every opportunity because they just went 11-2 and two in 2019. But then this is the other circumstantial component. Journey Brown has to retire from the medical thing early before 2020. Noah Kane gets hurt the first series of the season in 2020 at Indiana. You basically got two freshman running backs, Kevon Lee and Keziah Holmes. That's who you're going to bank on for the... At that point, Will Levis's fate as a quarterback at Penn State was sealed because at that point, to me, they didn't see him as a guy we're even going to try to develop as a quarterback anymore. They saw him as a running back depth guy who could take snaps. Would you agree or disagree with that? Yeah, he became a wildcat quarterback. Uh, and, and I don't know if, if that's because they viewed him as that and that was his ceiling and they, they missed it. Cause certainly, I mean, yeah. Did they miss or was this necessity? Did they miss on it or was this necessity that this is how they had to get through the 2020 season by running the guy all the time? Yeah. I, 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 I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if they completely missed it. Um, I know Clifford is, uh, Clifford's been banged up so often during his career that he, that, that Levis got some snaps that year and, and, it was a 20, it was a 20 or 21. I, I it was 20. Uh, so I, I, I've, I've blocked 20 out of my mind. Yeah, right. Because of all, for a lot of reasons for a lot of, that a lot of people have, but, but that was the year that actually Levis actually won the job for a week and he, and he 
and he started against Iowa and he had that first half and he was not good enough and then went right back to Cliff and Cliff threw, I think, two interceptions in the second half in that game. But he threw a couple but, touchdowns and at least made it real quick against Iowa. Made it at least a little bit more respectable. Yeah, and, and and I think from that point, that that was the point to me where Ed Levis that was done. He was never going to be the starting quarterback. But yeah, I I I, I think I, we've we've all seen what and, and he did some good things that year. He he played well enough and he in, in some games as a runner mostly. I don't think he was he ever showed the some of the stuff that he didn't show at at, at Kentucky. He didn't show at Penn State. Uh, he didn't wasn't able to get. He has a great arm. He didn't get the ball down the field accurately. He, he, there, there was a lot of things that, that he didn't do that, to make the offense better that Clifford did. But he still, he showed all those, those abilities. He, he, he looked apart. He did all that, that stuff we were talking about earlier. But, but yeah, I, 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 don't, I didn't sit there and think after that Iowa game that he was ever going to get another shot. Because at that point, they had their mind made up. It, it, he, Clifford led an 11-2 season, won a major bowl game. Uh, it was in the midst of a, just a horrible season for the country for the world for for them individually they lose they lose their running back and as you mentioned they lost Micah Parsons for the year and then in a year when they had so much hope that they were going to compete for a national championship and then they didn't then they they go 0 and 5 it's embarrassing and 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 but at that point I don't think they even with all that reason to tear it down and start from the ground from the from the ashes up they didn't do it. They, they still went with Clifford. They, they, and that tells me, you know, hey, we have this raw talent here at quarterback that maybe we could, maybe we can make him into a, uh, make him into something if we give him a chance. And they didn't do it. But and, and that told me all they that I needed to know about what they thought of, of Levis. Not that they thought he was a bad guy or a bad athlete or even a bad quarterback, but that he wasn't as good as Clifford. Okay, I want to uh, talk in generalities here about scouting quarterbacks. Okay. I will flat tell you, I don't think they know what the hell they're doing. They don't. I, I think that when you take a look, because it's all based so much on projection, and we can throw out the names Jamarcus Russell and and Ryan Leaf, Paxton Lynch. Paxton Lynch, who I, I watched a lot at Memphis when he was there. Paxton Lynch just got benched in the XFL, so I saw a stat that he has been benched in the NFL, the CFL, the XFL, and whatever the hell, maybe the USFL or whatever. He'd been benched in four different leagues. This is, this is a guy that, you know, was was highly thought of as a quarterback. So, I, look, I just think that when you're trying to evaluate quarterbacks going from whatever system that they're playing in in college, even Patrick Mahomes. I mean, a lot of people love Patrick Mahomes, but some people thought, ah, he's kind of a system quarterback, you know, that kind of thing. Do, do you believe that there's any real method for NFL scouts when they're trying to evaluate a quarterback that they can feel certain about with 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 anything in regard. No, I it, it's it's all about fit. It's all about confidence. It, it's the one position I think where you really have to be able to judge the attitude of the kid coming up and, and see why you know how confident he what, what's going to happen if if some things don't go his way because it, it happens that way. But, I mean, I, I don't know if outside of Peyton Manning, I don't know if I've ever seen a a, a prospect I was as sure was going to be really good. As Trevor Lawrence, everybody thought that Lawrence. way about Andrew Luck, and he was yeah. good. 
Uh, but I don't know. He, I mean, I don't he, know if he was a Hall of Famer. No, right. I agree. He's with make that. it, but I don't know if he is. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if he was at that level, like where you're playing the Colts. And you're like, oh, Andrew Luck's going to beat us. But he's the only and name. I, I mean, you go, you're talking about Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, John Elway. I mean, that's kind of in my lifetime. That's kind of that's kind of yeah. it in terms of those guys. Everybody thought that's a superstar. Yes, and I, I, I felt that way about Trevor Lawrence. I thought, oh, this guy's he's got every all. He never never had any failures. That pedigree is is going to play in, in the NFL. And, it, and he came in last in 2021 and it didn't, he, he, he was, he struggled. He, he had a real tough time. And there's a lot of reasons for that. They had a bad coach in there. They had a lot of, you know, there, there was a lot of turmoil and he got better his second year. I think they're going to be really good next, year. but it, it, it's, it's all about in, in any other situation. Maybe he's, he's an all pro in his first year. Who, who knows? And, and, and I think a lot of it is, I'm not sure if there's a Tom Brady, if he doesn't get drafted by the Patriots. So I, it, it, a lot of it is timing and, and, and luck and, and, and having a coach who, who believes in you and knows what you can do and can't do coming out and doesn't try to put too much on you. But yeah, it, you, you, it's not just like all these guys. You mentioned, you know, to Marcus Russell and, and Leaf is another one. There, there, there's some reasons those guys failed right out of the chute, but it wasn't because they weren't talented. I mean, they, they, were, they were super talented, but there's a lot of these guys and, and, and we can go and look at all these these first round quarterbacks that just haven't panned out. And it's just because they, they weren't good enough. They, they, they weren't ever going to, to make it. You're projecting too much. It's the one position I don't think you could project. You have to have some kind of, of history and, and, and some kind of success record that's in big games and against, against primetime opponents that, that helps you determine what they could do, you know, on a Sunday afternoon when, when the spotlight's on. And, and, and that, that to me, like I, I thought Mahomes was a, I, when I saw the Chiefs pick Mahomes, I thought that was that was really smart. I want I wanted my team to pick Mahomes, but I thought he was the best quarterback in that draft. There wasn't much consensus that he was the top one or two guys in that draft when he came out. There was other, there was other guys in there that were there were much higher, uh, much more highly considered as as, as top choices than the Mahomes. But I but you, you could see it. it. It's one of those things you could just you could, sometimes you could just see it and feel it that the quarterback has something. And it you know I think Purdy was like that. It, Last year, I mean, he, he kept falling because he doesn't have the measurables. But Purdy had a, good, a pretty good college career. Um, I don't know. I don't know. If, like, that's to me where Clifford falls because if you watch Clifford, I mean, I don't know if he can consistently do that. But, you know, it's, it, it, he struggled to have consistent success and to stay healthy consistently at the college level. Could he do? Could, could is there any way we could see that at the NFL level where he stays healthy? Number one, number two, like has those kind of games like, like he had against Utah. And avoid the ones he had against Ohio State, and, 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 and you know, and a couple of those years where, where he he went out against big opponents and played poorly. I I, I don't think so. And I, I think that to me, more than any anything physical, is like Clifford to me is is probably a third stringer at best in the in the NFL. But yeah, I, I mean, if you look at it objectively and, and and look at it, you have to watch so much tape, and you have to be sure of your guy. You can't just take the one that falls to you. And I I think that. When, when, when you have these player development guys trying to project what a guy could be, it, I, I think a lot of these quarterbacks are, are, are what they're going to be coming out of college. I, I mean, it's, you're, you're painting them out to be superstars. You know, but whoever takes CJ Stroud is expecting him to take him to the Super Bowl. 
it's a, it's a, it's a tremendous standard to hit for yeah. a guy who's never played in the championship. And they, they need you to play very, very early on. It's they, a good, it's they a need good, you to play very early on and prove well. it. Yeah. And, pr- and prove it very, very early on. All right. I want to have one more discussion with you. Uh, Donnie Collins here. This is about Christian Hackenberg. I'm going to tell you a quick little story. I, I don't know if you've, if I've ever told you this story, but when Christian Hackenberg was coming out of Penn State to go into the draft, I made a little friendly wager, uh, with my buddy Neil Riddell. From the Altoona Mirror. We wagered this, Donnie. I gave Neil four years. Four years. And I said Christian Hackenberg would never have a winning record as a quarterback in the NFL at the midpoint of a season. And I gave him four years. I didn't make it a year or two or three. I said, I'll give you four years that after eight games, at no point as a starting quarterback, would Christian Hackenberg ever have a winning record in the NFL? We bet for a, a dinner here at one of our nice little uh, places in town, a $50 meal place. So this was, this was a little bit of a significant bet. That's the easiest bet I've ever won because Christian Hackenberg never played a single snap in the NFL, let alone started a game, let alone played half a season. And Neil basically conceded that bet like two years early. So uh, <laughs> that's kind of the way that went. I have a question for you about Christian Hackenberg. If he would have transferred and gotten out of Penn State and played somewhere else, would he have been any level of an NFL quarterback? So as you're pondering that, I'm going to give you some stats. As a freshman at Penn State, now this is a guy that if you look, go back and look at his high school stats, I believe Christian Hackenberg completed 53% of his passes in high school. In high school. Okay. So as a freshman, he completed 58.9. As a sophomore, 55.8. As a junior at Penn State, he completed 53.5% of his passes, even given that. But he was a broken quarterback at this time. 10 sacks against Temple, no offensive line. If he would have transferred and gone somewhere where he could have had a good year somewhere, he was a second-round draft pick. But again, my thought process is he was already broken. Would he have been any level, uh, a significant level better or maybe have had an NFL career if he had left Penn State? I don't know. Uh, that's, that's a tough one because it, it, it's basically, I could tell you yes. And oh, if he goes, if he, say he goes to Alabama and, and, and plays well and they, obviously he's going to get picked and obviously he's going to get some starts. And that makes it, that means he played, that means he's got a significantly better career than he had. Because if, 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 if he goes in the first round and he plays, then that's better than, than, than what he did. And, and I think there are some other issues with Hack. Uh, the accuracy thing you mentioned, I was going to mention that if you didn't. Um, he was never an accurate thrower. Uh, he was never a high percentage completion guy. And that, that, that's what I used to love. You know, everyone you know, ripping into Clifford that he, he was only a 60% passer. Well, that's the 10 state record. And, 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 and that's why I mentioned Hackenberg even in high school. But if he had gone somewhere where there's a system, you see what I'm getting? Where there's a system where he's completing 64% of a bunch of bubble reads, could, could he have become a different human being mentally and preparedness wise by getting out of the, really the train wreck of the system, situation that was still at Penn State? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think everybody might have been better off if that had happened at that point because you know, Hack wasn't a good fit for that system. Hack was just the guy that was there, and Hack was an important guy, and he wasn't going to go anywhere. Nobody was, nobody was ever going to dump Hack off the, off the Penn State roster after what he did and you know, st- sticking with the program when he did. But, but yeah, I, I, think, 
I, I think there were some fundamental flaws with him. Number one is accuracy and his mechanics weren't always great, but he's kind of like the Levis prototype. This right. guy um, ha- had a, had a really strong arm. I think both of them are right fielders. Hey, Donnie, I, I like that. I was at Penn, I was at Hackenberg's pro day, man. He looked really good in shorts. I tracked it. I think he completed 55 of 57 passes. He looked so damn good. Never played a single snap in the NFL. That's a second yeah. round pick. I, th- I think if I'm a baseball scout, I'm going to, to those <laughs> those uh, pro days and trying to convince them, hey, look, you're better <laughs> off right. doing this. That's right. But but uh, but yeah, I I, I think I, I don't know if he was ever going to be a really good NFL quarterback. I, even even after that first season of Penn State, when everyone's like, oh, if he left if he left right now as a freshman, he'd be the number one pick in the draft. He uh-huh. might have been. Doesn't mean he was going to be any good. Um, but I, I think there were some fundamental issues with him. But but yeah, if you're in the right, a lot of it with quarterbacks is system. If you're in a system, that's what that's what it was with Tom Brady. I mean, Tom Brady got in a system he could do, and he it just made sense to him. He was Mozart in that system. Hey, you're a Steelers fan. I have always said this: trade Ben Roethlisberger and and, and Tom Brady. Tom Brady doesn't succeed behind an offensive line that that got the quarterback hit a ton with the Steelers. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, I do think Ben Roethlisberger would have succeeded in any yeah. kind of offense. Uh, if you yeah. flip them, Tom Brady, I don't think he's got a career with the Steelers, while Ben Roethlisberger, I think, would have had a great career with yeah. the Patriots. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think that's right. I think Roethlisberger was a quarterback who could have fit into any system, and, and Brady was not. But Brady was maybe the most effective player in the history of team sports. But my buddy's a Raiders fan who laments the tuck rule to this day. He says if the tuck rule doesn't happen, Tom Brady is not even the quarterback anymore the next year because Drew Bledsoe would have been the quarterback. So, I mean, yeah, again, you, we're talking about circumstances the 30, the 30 here. The they did on that, it was, it was really fascinating. Yeah. Brady was like, I don't know. Yep. But, I, yeah, I, I think he would have been. <laughs> he, he, he led them to the for the playoffs and, 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 you know, and Drew Bledsoe was a great play. Drew Bledsoe is another, he would had a, well, obviously had a lot more NFL success than, I think Will Levis will, but he's another guy. He looks great in the, you know, he's going to stand back there at six foot six and then like a statue in the pocket and he's going to fire bullets all over the field. Yeah, that's, that's going to look great in a, in, 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 on a pro day. Hey, but let yeah, me, clo- I, I, let me close with this. What position did Donnie Collins play in high school football? Uh, when I played, it was like, it was, it was like quarterback. Well, what kind of quarterback were you, man? Were you, were you Ben Roth? Were you trucking? You're a big dude now. I don't know how big you were then. Were you trucking people on the run or were you a pocket guy? What kind of quarterback were you? I was trying to avoid getting hit. <laughs> no offensive line? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I, honestly, if, if it was today, I'd probably be a, a tight end. <laughs> right. Do you have a pretty good arm? You have a pretty good arm? Could you chuck it down the field a, 40 yards? Yeah. I, I had a, oh, more than 40. They let Way you. They let. They let you throw it more than forty in high school. Forty. I. I no. I, I thought you were asking me how far I could throw it. Right. Right. Yeah. I'm sure you yeah, could throw 40, it more than forty. Yeah. Did you get? Did you get to air it out much in high school or no? Yeah. We had. We had. A, we had a pretty good. I, I didn't. I didn't play every year. I. I, I played. I, when I. Yeah. We. We played a, 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 a. We played a good run and shoot system. So it was just basically getting it out there and 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 we had we had some good receivers. So yeah. They, yeah. We know we threw it deep. Um. But yeah. I, I think today if I if I was gonna if you're asking me what position I would have played in high school, it would have been solely catcher. <laughs> I probably, knowing what I know now, I probably wouldn't have played football. Hey, that's a great discussion, Fart. I appreciate it, man. Good insight on everything, as always, dude. All right, thanks. All right, Donnie Collins from the Scranton Times Tribune. 